0: But Pastor David did a great job on that series on the Holy Spirit. I I I told him I said I believe that that Pentecost message that he preached should be preached more often in more churches because really that's what the church is all about. It's all about the Holy Spirit that was given to reveal to the church, not to everybody but revealed to the church about the supernatural power that God has made available to everyone who believes. The work of the Holy Spirit is what separates true Christianity from religion. So you can have religion all you want. And as the world's plenty of it. In fact, when Jesus came, they had enough of religion in the world. He said, I didn't come to give you that. I come to give you life and life to the full. So what the Bible says in the last days, Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. He's talking about people in the last days would have a form of godliness, but denying its power, its power, is the Holy Spirit, the supernatural ability to live the life that God wants us to live. He says, have nothing to do with them. Huh. You mean to tell me that it's telling me the people I need to be fellowshipping with should be the people that know this power and have this power. No sense in us hanging around We're religious people. I want to hang around with people that are filled with God's Holy Spirit and God's power. The last message that uh, I brought to you, I titled The Reality of the Supernatural, for us to understand that this Christian life is not something you do naturally but we do it supernaturally because this world here is against us. True Christianity is supernatural because the Holy Spirit that was poured out on the day of Pentecost made us different. We're different. We're not like everybody else. We're different because God poured out His Holy Spirit into our life. God, Now we are the temples of the living God living on this earth. That makes us different from the person who doesn't have that. We are born again by God's Holy Spirit, and we ought to live in it and grow in it. In other words, we should be getting better every day living in the power that God has given us. We ought to be getting better every day. It's the only way we can defeat our enemies of our soul which is the world, of flesh, and the devil, you can't do it without that power. See, the world out there without Christ is, is under the control of the things of the world, the, the, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and the devil himself. And guess what? They can't beat him. Without the supernatural power, you can't beat those things. So I titled this message today, Living in the Supernatural. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart... We were just singing about that. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you might know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints and His incomparably great power... For us who believe, that power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly realm. The Apostle Paul said in verse 19, his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength. Now think about that. That's what he's given us. This power is for us who believe. It's not for everybody. It's not for the people in the world out there struggling. It's not for them. It's for us who believe, and this power comes by faith. You got to believe it. If you don't believe it, then you'll never have it. We can only receive things from God by faith. So we have to believe about this power. Paul says in Romans 8:11, he says if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, which he is. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who lives in you. How great is this power of God that it raises the dead? It raises raises the dead. Believers ought to experience this power and learn to live in it. This is what Christianity is all about learning to live in this supernatural power that God has so freely given us. Freely given us. We couldn't earn it. He he gave it to us. And it's the same power that saved us from the power of sin. That, That power there, it's a reality when you first get born again, you realize, I don't have to do the things I used to do. Well, what happened? You couldn't reject them before. Sin had a hold on you. Why couldn't you get loose? You didn't have the power to. But now we have the power to free us from sin. And it deliver us from the power of Satan. It broke the power of addictions. Like Brother Mike, Mike Stellenworth, is just telling me, he's he, he, been fighting the cigarette thing for years. And he said, I just had to, Come cold turkey and say, I'm quitting. Well, you, got, you can't just quit. you got to believe God's going to, when you say quit, God's going to be there to help you quit when that time comes. You see, it breaks the power of addiction. It's the same power. Remember, God only has one power. It's his Holy Spirit. It's not different powers. It's one spirit. The same spirit that saved you is the same spirit that's going to deliver you. It's going to be the same spirit that heals you. See, there's no form of religion that can do that. None. There's no form that can do that. There's no fine-sounding arguments or teachings that can do that. I don't care what they teach. It's the power of God that can do that. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4.20, I love this verse. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. You can talk all you want. You hear what I'm telling you? You can talk some good talks. But it ain't about talking. It's about the power of God that that God has put in each and every one of us to live the way he wants us to live. And his power should be getting stronger as time goes on. Not weaker. We should be growing. I I like the scripture when the apostle Paul got saved. It says that Paul increased in power. He got stronger. As he realized what he had, he began to preach more, stronger. The witness was stronger. Everything got stronger. But Jesus gives us the secret to living in his power, which is supernatural. And John 15, 7, he says, here it is, a very simple uh, uh, equation here. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it will be done for you. That's kind of simple, isn't it? Three things here. Abide in him. How you do that? By faith. I, I, I abide in Him because I believe in Him and I, and I live for Him. The second thing is His words must abide in us. Then the third thing, we got to ask. We ask in prayer by the Holy Spirit. We ask for things according to God's will and it's going to be done for us. Now that word abide means this, to dwell with someone on a continual basis. To abide in Christ means I'm with him constantly. I'm not on one day, off the next day. But every minute, every second of my life, I'm abiding in him. Every decision I make, everything I do, every word I say, i got to be continuously abiding in Christ. All the time, not sometimes. Because guess what? You don't know what you're going to wake up to tomorrow. You don't know what you're going to face when you leave this building. I want to make sure that I'm abiding in Christ continuously. Now, we need the power to defeat the giants that our life will bring us to fight. Those giants are going to show up. They're going to show up, and and they're going to be big. Because they're going to challenge us from time to time. They're going to challenge the power that God has given you and placed in us. It's going to be challenged. God is not going to give you this power and this anointing for you just to sit back. It's going to be challenged. So I want to go to the Old Testament story of the shepherd boy David that killed a giant named Goliath. Now, look, we all know the story. you got it in the children's books. And, you know, we, David, you know, the boy David killed the big giant, all that. But let's really look at it. Let's really take a look at it. This story gives a pathway with the giants in our life that try to defy the power that God has put in us. It's going to be challenged. You'll never know you have it until it's challenged. You never know you have the ability. You don't know whether you had the ability to, to to turn down temptation, to fight off temptation unless it comes. Let's go to the Word of God for this story. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, we have the young David. He gets anointed by the prophet Samuel in in. In in chapter 16. Then we see in chapter 17, the Israelite army is lined up against the Philistine army. They, they are, they're getting ready to go to battle. And the Philistines had a giant named Goliath, which they sent out to challenge the army of Israel. That's how the devil works. He challenged the army of God. And let's look at that in 1 Samuel 17 verse 4. It says a champion named Goliath who is from Gath came out the Philistine camp. He was over 9 feet tall. He's higher than the ceiling here. This is 9 feet. He's higher than that. He had a bronze helmet on his head. He wore a coat of scale armor bronze, weighing 5,000 shekels. I put a hundred I put, I put it in my notes here. That was 125 pounds of just armor wrapped around him. And on his legs he wore brine greaves, some protecting his knees for his shins, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. The point of his spear weighed 15 pounds. His shield-bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man in heaven come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. All of the men were terrified including King Saul, who is the commander-in-chief of the army. How would you like to be in that army where your leader's even scared? (laughs) That's why you got to be in a church where your pastor's not afraid. You got to be in a church where your pastor's gonna preach the word no matter what it costs. No matter... (laughs) Listen, you start preaching against the homosexuals and all of that and... You know, people going to say, they're going to arrest you, let them. And I always ask the congregation, are you going to be with me? They say, yeah, yeah, we'll be. I said, I'll be looking back and seeing who's going to be there with me. But you need to have a leader that's not afraid. Here yeah, these guys, Saul was just as scared as they were. Now, how are you going to fight that? And that, that, that attack, Goliath represents the devil. Simply because he defied the army of God. See, and the devil's still doing that today. The army of God is us today. We're the church, we are the people of God. And the devil wants to challenge that very power that God has invested in us. He wants to challenge it. He's going to challenge it as a church, he's going to challenge it as a believer. The devil constantly tries to defy the people of God. Today, that's the Christians and the church of God. We have recently seen the devil coming against the church in this COVID thing and and trying to shut the church down and tell the church what to do. Nobody tells the church what to do, but Christ himself. He is the head. Not our president, not our government, none of that. It's Christ who leads the church. We take our orders from him. Hallelujah. And we've got to continue to do that. This scenario was not new to the Israelites. They've been fighting these these Philistines forever. You, 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 you wipe them out, they come back. You wipe them out, they come back. Just like when we fight the devil. You beat him one time, you think you got him? No, he's going to show up again. He's going to keep coming. See, I want to cover the tactics that, that the devil, uh, uh, that, that are on display in this story. That's the same today. He uses the same tactics every time. That uh, And it can only be defeated supernaturally. And he knows it. If you didn't have supernatural power, he'll wipe you out. You can look out in the world today. He's destroying people because they can't fight. They don't have nothing to fight with. See, the the devil rules the world. In fact, when he tempted Jesus, one of the ways he tempted Jesus was, I'm going to give you all the kingdoms of the world because they're mine. Just fall down and Worship me. Well he's got he still has them. He ain't gonna have them for long. There's there come a day when he's going down. Right. But we live in a world that is governed by this giant, <laughs> Goliath, who is the devil, and and uh, he can only be defeated supernaturally. And we live in a world that is governed by the devil. And let me tell you something, this world is full of negativity and negative thoughts the whole world and that's why we've got to maintain a healthy thought life jesus tells us hi he says if you abide in me and my words abide in you see that's a healthy mind see when we're abiding in jesus and his words now are abiding in us that's a healthy mind so to beat the giant who who is the devil The first thing is, we can't listen to what he says. In 1 Peter 5, 8, Peter said, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Peter said, the devil is like a roaring lion. He's like a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion. He's like a roaring lion. lion. (laughs) He's shooting his mouth off, but he don't have no teeth. He doesn't have anything to back up his his taunting with. you got to understand, we can't listen to what he's saying. Goliath stood, in verse 8, and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Now listen. This giant here is controlling the narrative. He's the only one talking. And everybody's listening. <laughs> and they're getting scared. Every, every word he says. They're not rebutting him. They're not coming back at him. He's the only one talking. We can't have the devil being the only one talking in our situation. The giant Goliath is telling the Israelites, am I not a Philistine, and you are the servants of Saul? What's wrong with that statement? This giant made to them when he said, are you not the servants of Saul? They were not the servants of Saul or any man. They were the army of the most high God. That's who they were. There wasn't servants of Saul or any other man. And that's what we are. We are the church of the living God. We don't serve man. We serve God. The Israelites didn't consider who they were. You might be here today. You're listening to a voice of discouragement. Let me ask you. Who's moderating the narrative here? Whatever problem you're in right now, whose voice is narrating this situation? Are you just listening and hearing what the devil has to say? No, we got to be focused on who we are and not our humanity. See, the tactic of the devil is he's constantly reminding us of our humanity, That we are to fight in our own strength. He keeps telling us evaluate yourself. You're nothing. I'm everything. You're nothing. This thing is too big for you. You're not strong enough to get through this thing. See, we evaluate our own ability, and I want to tell you, you'll get discouraged. If you say, I'm going a, I'm to a get through this thing in my own strength, I'm going to figure it out, I'm going to try to do it, and I'm going to fight, I'm going to fight or fight, you're going to realize you, you don't have it. See, and that's what he wants you to think, that in yourself, you don't have enough to win. That's why we lose. Once we conclude we don't have enough to win, we lose. The devil doesn't want you thinking or confessing what God says. Like no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. And that, that all the promises of God are yes and amen. You don't want you talking like that. That's why Jesus said, if my words abide in you. Come on, man. Listen, that's the, that, that's the, the, the ammo for us. <laughs> that's the, Let the devil talk, and then we're going to tell them what God says. See, the next thing Goliath said to the army of God, choose a man for yourself and let him come out and fight me. Or is that a trick of the devil? What's wrong with that statement? The devil wants us to rely on a special man. I don't think so. That's the problem with the church today. You're trying to rely on a special man. Right. It wants to indoctrinate us into thinking right. that we need that powerful preacher, that powerful evangelist. Yeah, that's good. I'm going to see a guy tonight, David Hogan, in, in reserve. I was out in the jungles with him. He raises the dead, okay? But let me tell you something. David Hogan is not the special man. Right. That's right. The devil wants us to that We've got to go find a special man. But I want to tell you, every believer is empowered to enforce the victory of Christ in every situation you're in. I don't need a special man. I don't need a special man. I had the power. When I was a young pastor, I had to learn this. When I say young pastor, I was in my 30s, but I'd never ministered before. God took me out of my business, threw me into the ministry, and I had to learn that I'm not the special man. God didn't call me to be the special man. I'd had people call me up and say, Pastor, can you go to the hospital? I I have a friend of mine He's in East Jefferson room so and so. Can you go and pray for him? Being a young pastor, I said, sure, I'll go. I go up there. I walk in a room. The person don't even know who I am. They didn't even ask for me to go there. Somebody's said, can you go pray for him? He needs prayer. And they would tell me, I, I didn't call for you. I then I realized, I'm not the special man. You got a friend that's in the hospital. Guess who needs to go pray for him? <laughs> Don't call me. You need to go. Right. Why? Because the same power that God has given me, he's given you. You understand? So I used to have to tell him, no. I said, did you go visit him? No, I didn't go visit him. I just found out he's in the hospital. I said, well, you need to go over there. He knows you. He don't know me. Now, if you want me to go pray with you for somebody, I'll go. But don't send me. I'm not the special man. See, because in Mark chapter 16, verse 17, this is what Jesus says. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they're going to drive out demons. They're going to speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it's not going to hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Who's the, is that the special man? No. That's for all who believe. That's the church. With this word, that word right there, Every believer ought to move forward with certainty and confidence. I'm going to lay hands on somebody. I'm going to go pray for somebody. Listen, I did that before I was even called to ministry. I just believed that what God said we all can do. Let's lay hands on people and, and get them healed. We need to invoke God's promises to do the miraculous. To do things that that only God said he can do if we would just obey him. Now let's get back to the shepherd boy who was anointed king. That anointing was real. This wasn't no religious thing. When that prophet, by instruction of the Lord, poured that oil on David and anointed him that was real. And it's just as real as the anointing we have. Our anointing is just as real as that. Look what John tells us in, in John, uh, 1 John 2.27. John says, As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you. You do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and that anointing is Real. It's not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. That's real. It's it's an anointing that we have that, that, that is real. It's just as real as Paul's anointing, John's anointing, any of the anointing that the apostles had. It's just as real. It's the same anointing. It's the same Holy Spirit. There's only one Holy Spirit. We have it. This young shepherd boy who was anointed shows up at the battlefield as a delivery boy. He wasn't a soldier. He's was a delivery boy. He was bringing food to his brothers by, by, by orders of his daddy, Jesse. He said, go bring food to your brothers. They're out there in the army. I don't know what they were doing. They were, they were just standing around. Nobody was willing to move forward. They were just standing around. But he brought the food to his brother. And while he was there, this giant comes out. While David's there, he's the the delivery boy with the food. And the giant begins to taunt the army of Israel. And all the men ran back from him. David's watching that. Everybody's running back. This took David by surprise. That the army of God would retreat. See, that's what the devil wanted the church to do during COVID. Just go back. The, the devil says uh, the church is, is just a non-essential. It's not anything we really need. You don't. But that's what the devil wants to tell you. You're not essential. Then they told David this, that the giant has come to defy the army of God. Let's read that in verse 25. It says, Now the Israelites had been saying, Do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. And he will also give him his daughter in marriage and he will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. David asked the man standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. David said, tell me again, What is he gonna do? He said the king's gonna give you great wealth. He's gonna give you his daughter, and all your family don't is gonna be exempt from paying taxes. No doubt this reward sounded pretty good for a young boy who spent his life out in the fields watching sheep. It sounded good. (laughs) The king's gonna make me rich. He's gonna give me his daughter. And he's going to free my family from taxes. The man who kills this giant you're going to get all this. But the words that David spoke got back to the king, and these were the words David spoke. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? That is the statement that got back to the king that opened up the king's ears and said, bring that boy here. Because nobody was talking like that. (laughs) Nobody was saying, who is this guy? Who does he think he is to come out against the armies of God? Nobody was saying anything. They were scared. Let's read it. In 1 Samuel 17, 32. David said to Saul. Can you imagine this kid talking to the king? Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go in fighting. Saul replied, You're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he's been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off his sheep from the, rock, from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine would be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hands of this Philistine. So Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. You know the story. I'm going to go through all that. He tried to put his armor on David. They said, no, I can't. I can't fight. This is not how I killed that lion. This is not how I killed that bear. I don't need this. Now, this is David living in the supernatural. That's the only way you can explain it. It's so the only way you can explain. Remember, he was anointed by Samuel, the prophet. And this is what happened when he, when, when, the, when Samuel anointed David. This is what happened. I didn't read the verse, I'm going to read it to you now. 1 Samuel 16, 13. So Samuel took the horn of all and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in what? What it came with? Power. Power. It came with power. Once the anointing came, the power comes. This is what Jesus told the church. Go wait in Jerusalem for the promise of my father. He says, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you, and you're going to be filled with power. Then you're going to be my witness. You can't be a witness without the power. See, so the anointing, with the anointing comes the power. When the anointing came, so did the power on the day of Pentecost. Once that anointing hits them, that's when Peter, who denied Jesus three times, went out in the street preaching to thousands of people. Well, changed? The power changed. David had the anointing. But he not only had the anointing, he had the experience with it. He saw what the anointing would do to a lion. He saw what the anointing would do to a bear. See? He's looking at this Philistine. Well, that same anointing you're going to take care of this. Don't know how, but I, it's going to happen, you see. So David told the king, the Lord has delivered me from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. David knew it was the Lord who did it. He said the Lord did it. He said, the Lord who delivered me. Let me tell you something. Whatever problem you're going through in your life right now, the Lord is going to deliver you. Amen. The Lord will deliver you. Right. You need a job? The Lord is going to get you that job. Amen. You need to be healed? The Lord is going to heal you. The Lord will take care of all of our needs That's right. through his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. David knew it was the Lord who delivered. See, the more we live with the anointing, the more confidence we'll have in it when you see it work time and time again how God keeps working things out, moving things out the way, opening doors, closing doors, doing things that you couldn't even figure out. You know it's working the most powerful Christians they are are those who have fought the line and the band won. You talk to somebody who fought the line and the band won, they're going to say, well, what else? Guys, I'm going to win every battle after that. So after a while, living in this anointing and seeing that God is going to work all things out for my good, no matter what they look like, you just keep rolling. David considered this giant just like a lion in the bear. He ain't no different. He might be nine feet tall, but he ain't no different. Let's look at the last part of this story. This, this thing just excited me. In verse 41, Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield-bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him because he was probably ugly. (laughs) He said, said, (laughs) he's probably an ugly giant. He saw this nice-looking young guy. He despised him. He said, why can't I look like him? (laughs) But he said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? The Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Okay, David's coming on. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spirit and javelin. I'm going to come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll, go, I'll strike you down. I'm going to cut off your head. Today I'll give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. The whole world will know that there is a God in Israel, and all those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saved. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. That's how it is. See, we saw at the beginning of the story the giant was controlling the narrative. No, no, no. Nobody said anything to him. They just kept listening. As David approached the giant, the giant began to curse him. See, every time you come against him, the devil, you're going to get cursed. I've been cursed a lot. I've been cursed a lot. I got cursed out in Shalmet when our church was growing. We were up to about 550, 600 people filling the place. We're winning 15, 20 people to the Lord every Sunday. I got a phone call. A woman cursed me. I don't know how my secretary let her get to me. <laughs> Using the F-bombs and everything. That's all you worry about is getting people saved. I said, that's exactly right. The devil didn't like it. Still don't like it. However, nothing that that giant could say or do could not move David from trusting the Lord. See, I don't care what the devil is saying, how bad it is, what he's going to do to you, and how things are going to end up. Don't believe it. David spoke with absolute confidence in God, and he began to control the narrative. David said to the Philistines, you come against me with the sword and spear and javelin, but I'm going to come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. That's who I'm coming against you with. Yeah, I might have a staff and a couple of rocks, but I'm coming against you in the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. I'm coming against you in the name of the Lord. See, David came in the name of the Lord. That's what we do. We got to come in the name of the Lord. We live our life in the name of the Lord. We do the things that we do in the name of the Lord. See, there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. That's why the the Sanhedrin, the religious people, they told the, the, the apostles, listen, You can go about your business, but listen, don't be teaching in that name no more. Don't be talking about Jesus. Don't be saying that anymore. The apostle said we can't help but do it. The church can't help but do it. We have to keep doing it. See, because Proverbs 18.10 says this, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run in it and are safe. Let me tell you, you keep invoking the name of Jesus in every situation, it's a safe place. David had two reasons why he was taking on a giant. The first reason, he said, the whole world is going to know there's a God in Israel. The whole world's going to know. There's a God in Israel. That is why the presence of God must be present right here when people come in here. They got to know, this is, this is not religion here. We're not coming in here to hear a fine-sounding argument. No, we're going to come here and know that the presence of God's in this place. This is a safe place to be. Amen. This is where I need to be, is right here. And when they leave, I don't care whether they like the message, like the preacher, like anything, when they leave here, they gotta be saying, God is surely among those people. Say, I don't care whether they ever come back, but when they leave here, they gotta know I didn't like is, it was strange in there. I don't know what was going on in there. But, but I know one thing. God. God is among those people. And the second thing that David said, they're going to know that the Lord does not say with sword or spear. Because the battle belongs to the Lord. You see, our battles against the giants in our life, The Lord is going to be glorified because the battle is his. We are his people. We are his people. He gets glorified every time we defeat one of these giants in our life because of the faith that we have. The world needs to see the demonstration of God's power in the church. The world needs to see the demonstration of God's power in each and every one of our lives. It needs to be noticed. For us to be living in the supernatural and winning our battles, these are the things we've got to know. Number one, we've got to be anointed with the Spirit. That's why Paul says in Ephesians five 18, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Me and my wife, we just get so amazed when we go into the grocery stores and see the amounts of alcohol and wine and whiskey. I said, who in the world is buying all this stuff? i tell you who. Everybody out there that doesn't have Christ, they need something. That's what they get. That's what they lean to. We don't lean that way. No, we don't lean that way. We lean to the spirit of God, the power of God, where our help comes from. The second thing you got to do is stop listening to the devil. See, that is his perspective in the battle that you're in. You're going to hear voices. Every time you face it looks like an insurmountable mountain. That, that You're going to hear voices. How You you ain't going to get through this. You ain't going to make this. This is the end. No, no, no. I ain't listening to that. And stop being distracted by the, the devil's appeal for you to lean to your own understanding and your own natural ability to get through this thing instead of looking to God and start believing that the battle belongs to the Lord. Start abiding in Christ. I'm going to be in Christ, whether I I live or die. Paul says, I'm in Christ. (laughs) It don't really matter. I'm going to be with Christ. Start a body, spending daily time with the Lord, worshiping him, keeping our mind stayed on him constantly. Then, letting God's word abide in us, praying in the Holy Ghost. Practicing the presence of God in every circumstance, in every relationship. Two things that stood out in David's life. Number one, David was a lover of God's word. And in Psalm 119, he wrote, uh, the word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Then he was a lover of God's presence. Even when he committed murder and adultery, in Psalm 51, 11, he said, Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. David loved his word. David loved the presence. If you've got the presence and you've got the word, them giants can come down. That brings us back to the teaching of Jesus. If you abide in me, my words abide in you, then ask what you desire. It's going to be done for you. This is living in the supernatural. You might be here today. You're facing a giant. Let me tell you the biggest giant you're ever going to face. The biggest giant you're ever going to face is the power of sin. Until that giant comes down, you won't make it. But when that giant, the power of sin is broken off your life, then every one of those giants will fall They will fall. I want to close with this, Isaiah 10, 27. The word says, it shall come to pass in that day. That day is today. That his burden will be taken off of your shoulder and his yoke from your neck. And the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. The anointing is his presence and power manifested in our life by faith. The anointing will break every yoke. Stand with me.